You're listening to the Rick Soto Podcast. For more information about Pastor Rick Soto and the Ranch Church, go to ranchchurch.com. Romans chapter 8 verse 1 simply says, There is therefore no, no, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Join me in prayer. Lord Jesus, we come now. Our friend, Susie Kirby and Randy Kirby, They desperately need you, as do so many others that we have prayed about, Lord Jesus. But at this moment, we weep with them, and we ask you that you would visit us in this prayer. We are praying to you now, God, in the authority of the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, because you have given to us that privilege and honor by the cross. And so now, God, as we look at these words in your scriptures, which will talk about being gracious, And as we sung about those things, so God, we ask that you would remember your own character and be gracious unto Susie and Randy at this moment. Come now, we would pray and heal her body and bring her back to us in full measure. Jesus, please give now sweetness to your church. Make us your disciples. Fill us with your Holy Spirit and teach us all the wonderful things in your word. For God, we are yours and we belong to you and you only. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Can you say amen with me? When you read these words in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, again, by way of repetition, there is now therefore no condemnation. When you think about that, that's when I give it this title, super stoked for you. Super stoked for you. Super stoked for me. Very grateful that what God would say about us now through the cross is that there is no condemnation for us. So we have to ask kind of a question, why? Why would there not be any condemnation for you? What great thing have you done in your life before God that would make him say, you should not be condemned? Can you think of anything? The average response is generally, I'm a good person. Great. Let's have good people. What is that going to do for you before God? The answer, church, is nothing. And on and on it would go. Of perhaps well-intended, very well-thought-out, good works, they will do nothing for you before God. Yet these verses say there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are, can you say it out loud with me, in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. You are not condemned. And here's where my note-taking friends, you write this down and I'm going to get to it. Because I'm going to cross-reference Genesis chapter 12. And I'm going to take us to Psalm 67 in a few moments. I'm only going to sit in this verse and answer one question, which is absolutely so important. And that is, why are you not condemned before God because of your sin? Why? 
So that. That's the answer. And we'll give it to you in just a moment. Write down that word, so that. So you were never designed to be condemned. You have to understand that. So part of God freeing you from your sin and not bringing condemnation is because you and your humanity were never designed. You were designed by God so that God could work so powerfully in your life that you would walk on planet Earth as a person who would be looked at deeply blessed of God. That's what the human race is designed for. The human race is designed by God to walk on planet Earth and to be blessed by God in such a way that his blessings flow out and people understand God. Condemnation, we understand this in terms of neurology and physiology and all the other academics related to our bodies and our minds. If you are full of condemnation, we know, we know that you will be harmed physically. Your body will have psychological problems, chemical problems, neurological problems. You'll have all kinds of gross up and downs related to body chemistry and depressive episodes, and on and on it goes. If you are actually a person who says to yourself the words of self-condemnation, or if you think that you're actually condemned, it's very, very negative for your body. But Jesus... Jesus looks like that person who has no condemnation because he doesn't. He's God, fully God and fully man. And so I'll give you this one reference as to Jesus. So this is in Matthew's gospel. And you think about how you would react to this. In Matthew's gospel, chapter 11, John the Baptist, who is a rock star superstar, he has been preaching, he has been popular, he's been watching Israel respond to his message, he's had the political figures respond to his message, people want to know, are you possibly the Messiah? He says, I am not the Messiah, there's a Messiah coming though, I am not that Messiah. The Messiah comes, it's Jesus, and guess what happens to John the Baptist? He gets put in jail for doing nothing wrong except telling a political figure what is right and wrong. And so he's wondering, wait, there was supposed to be this kingdom. There was supposed to be this revival. There was supposed to be something supernatural, powerful that was going to happen. So Jesus, are you the one? He sends, he sends his disciples out to find out about that. So what would you say if you're the responsible party for somebody else being imprisoned? Wouldn't you tend to feel bad? Yes. So you would tend to say, hey, John the Baptist, I'm sorry about that. Uh, I really didn't mean that. Uh, tell, him, tell him I feel bad. Tell him I'm praying for him. Tell him that I'm really hoping the best. You know what Jesus says? Great. Tell John this. Hey, you know about people who are dead? They're resurrected from the dead. You know about people who are poor? The kingdom of God is preached and they get them. Lepers are healed, the blind that see. Hey, and by the way, John, in case you and anybody else are paying attention, blessed is that person who's not offended by me. That's what it looks like when you're clean and you have no condemnation and you are flowing in the avenues of God. You understand what are your things and what are other people's things. And so Jesus loves John the Baptist. He's not, it's, it's not that he's trying to throw him down the street at all. He's just saying the kingdom of God is on the move. You had your lane. I have mine. God is still with you. 
So again, related to why are you not condemned? Why is it possible that I can tell you as a pastor, as a Christian, that we can tell one another, there is therefore now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, and that be true? Why can we say that? Go with me, if you will, to actually Genesis chapter 12. So some of us have been studying this during the week. And Genesis chapter 12. My Bible's not cooperating, so excuse me here. There it is. Okay, so here we're going to get into this. So in part of this Bible reading, I'm going to ask you to respond with me. Okay, church, say yes. yes. Thank you so much. Genesis chapter 12. Look at it in your Bible or digital device. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. Now, one of the things you have to understand is that Abram has done nothing to deserve this. Nothing. He's not mature. He's not obedient in the ways that we would think of a great patriarch. Uh, his obedience, in case you're wondering, would take about 99 years. I mean, he would go a long time before God would actually fulfill the sacred promise with them. But he's going to start here with them as a much younger man. And he's going to say again, go from your country. That is a modern-day Iraq. And go to this land that I will show you, and I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. Okay, if you're with me in your Bibles, raise your hand. Okay, so if you can follow. Okay, great. Thank you. Now, I'm going to go through this slowly. I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. What's the next phrase in your Bible? Say it out loud. So that. Can you say that out loud with me? So that. Can you say that out loud with me? So that. This is related to what I just told you about. Why are you not condemned? Why are you not dead in your sins? Have you ever had a friend who one day liked you and the next day didn't? Why is God not like that? God's not like that. And this is part of the proof of how God is not like that. The answer is, so that you will be a blessing. Can you guys shout back to me, blessing? blessing. So that you can be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. The academics of that is called the Abrahamic covenant. It's been fulfilled in the new covenant, but the duality of that is still in operation. You were designed to be blessed of God, and if you're condemned, you can't be blessed of God. It doesn't work. God has to take your sin and remove it and remove it through the cross. He actually has to liberate you. He has to take the things inside you that you would justly be condemned for, pay for them, and then get them off of you. Like really, really get them off of you so that when you walk on planet Earth, you are walking on planet Earth as a person deeply blessed of God. Is that what you experience? Because that's what we're going to tackle. And that's the greater truth behind Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Will God stop loving me? No. Will he stop caring for me? No. 
Maybe one day there's no condemnation, but maybe the next day there's condemnation because I hear voices in my head. Those are demons. Sometimes it's our own flesh biting back at us as we get in these forms of self-condemnation. It's why I gave you that illustration of Matthew chapter 11 with Jesus and John the Baptist, where the normal human response would be sort of like self-deprecation or something like that. And Jesus says, no, I'm clean. The kingdom operates this way, and the kingdom operates that way. And God has a plan for you, John the Baptist. He has a plan as I'll go to the cross. But it all begins with Abraham here. So that so that you will actually operate as a blessed person. Now, I'm going to give you the backstory on that, and this will be the last major reference I go to. We're going to sit on Psalm 67. So good. Church, go to Psalm 67. Thank you for hanging in there with me. You're going to want to see this. You're going to want to see this. This is, again, a why are you stoked? Because it's great to not be condemned. And Christians are the only people who can operate on that lane of no condemnation. You can go ahead and you can get in front of the mirror and you can wash your face and you can say, I'm not condemned. 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 Only the blood of Christ can wipe that out. It's only Jesus Christ on the cross, his resurrection and his saving power that can actually cleanse your heart and take away condemnation in every single form. So verse uh, Psalm 67 here, it's actually the very beginning of the song that we were just singing. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us. That's famously known as Aaron's blessing, which actually finds its root system in Genesis chapter 12, which finds its fulfillment in Romans chapter 8. Are you with me? See, we're not making this up. It's been in the scriptures the whole time. It's what is from the very beginning to the end what we can bank our lives on. Because you either are condemned and condemned in your sin or you're free of them. And those who have been set free, as, Gen- as Galatians excuse me, says, have been set free indeed. And to know that freedom, to know that I woke up today and the blood of Christ has cleansed me before I had my first thought, good or bad. Before I had a positive moment or a negative moment. Is actually God's will and most liberating power, as you'll see. So Psalm 67, as we talk about why we're not condemned and how Romans 8.1 works, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. That your way may be known on earth and your saving power among the nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and you guide the nations upon the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us, shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. It's a prayer. It's a proclamation of Romans chapter 8, verse 1. 
And so here's what Romans chapter 8, verse 1 is doing, and here's what you have to understand in Genesis 12, Psalm 67, the book of Romans, thoughts that we're going to get to in the coming weeks, is that God has liberated Christians from their sins. He has liberated us from condemnation for this first reason. According to Psalm 67, according to Genesis 12, according to Romans 8, he has done all of this first and foremost because he wants to show off that he himself is gracious. That's who God is. God is a gracious God. And so whatever he's doing in your life or whatever his will is in your life, he actually wants to show off his graciousness to you. We sometimes say God shows up and God shows off. May God always show up and may he always show off. When, when this property came to us almost a year ago, church, almost a year ago, in 90 days we needed 2.25 million, like who can ever do that during COVID? We're not even meeting. And then God makes it all happen. That's when we said, Sometimes God shows up and sometimes he shows off. Do you like the view? It's our Father's view. Kind of made it. He made it for you to enjoy it, for you to soak in it, and for us to build this place out and do things because we believe something so outstanding that no one would believe it. I got to tell you, sometimes I even have to go, okay, well, I got to be careful on this one. And over 10 years, 10 million people are going to come to know the Jesus Christ through the ministry of this place in our church and all the places that we're going to go and all the things that God's going to have us do. COVID, no COVID. Shut down, no, no, shut down. Government cooperation, no government cooperation. We don't care anymore. God will raise his graciousness and his blessedness upon you so that you walk around as a person, not arrogant, not pride, abiding in Christ, humble before Christ, deeply blessed of Jesus Christ because you are not condemned of your sin so that God himself can show off, this is what it looks like when I work in your life. This is what it looks like when I work in someone's life. Because if you don't know the scriptures much, understand this, God loves being glorified. And he receives glory in that moment. Okay, so he can show off his graciousness. Second, according to this psalm, as it's related to these verses, so that God can show off his saving power. So that God can actually show off his saving power. And this is why we have stories and we, we talk about how God has saved us. We share that with one another. And often, if you weren't saved as a youth, although I hope that always happened, but in adulthood, oftentimes it's like, well, I didn't know these things or I had these issues and these problems and these immoralities or this ignorance and this, this rebellion against God, but God, so that he would be glorified so that his blessing would come to me, so that I would have a grace to repent of sin, so that I could be a different human being, so that I could be, what's the teaching of Jesus, John chapter 3, so that I could be born again. Acts chapter 2, so I can be full of Pentecostal fire. 
He has removed condemnation from Christians and believers so that he can show off his graciousness, so he can show off his saving power. There is my son and daughter who didn't know Christ, and now I came and I saved him and I'm glorified through it. Here are my children meeting underneath the tent, and, and I'm going to show off my saving power to them. I'm going to bless them. They're going to be born again. I'm going to fill them with the Holy Spirit. They're going to realign their lives in my lanes of kingdom building, and we will touch the nations because I'm that kind of God. You won't be perfect. You won't be morally perfect or morally straight. You're going to have to grow and mature and have discipleship. It will never be about you. It will be about him. But he wants to show off his saving power. The blood of Christ still saving sinners. What's fascinating to me is in my pastoral fraternity, just as a side comment of how many won't use that phrase, which is so biblical, God saves sinners. You know what we are without the blood of Christ? Sinners. You know what we are with the blood of Christ? Blessed, liberated, and free. Next, in Psalm 67, what is God doing according to being free and liberated? I want to camp here for a moment. Verse 4, let all the nations be glad and sing for joy, for you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. So the third thing is that All peoples must praise God or will praise God. He wants all people to praise him. Sorry, I got tongue-tied there. That's what that phrase, let all the nations be glad. Let all the nations be happy. Let them actually, what does it say in your Bible there? Can you say it out loud again? I'm sorry that we're hollering back at one another today, but it's just one of those days, you know? So it says there, sing for what? Joy. Always say the word joy out loud. That's okay. Always talk about that in church. It's good. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy because he wants all the people to praise him. So I just, I just wrote down a, a little bit of journey, if you'll allow me, of, of some testimonial related to my experiences. I can remember being in Budapest uh, years ago and helping lead a pastor's conference there as the communist world was opening up and hearing praise songs in those various European languages. I just couldn't stop weeping. I, I didn't even understand them. I could kind of hear the beat and the rhythm, and then sometimes there'd be a line in English and a line in, in another language, and then in English and another language, and it was, it was so beautiful. And here we were, you know, as one body, as one church, and, and I'm from the West, and they're from there, and people are all over, and everything's got different stories, and we are all together, kind of how heaven would be, different ethnicities and different backgrounds and different economic streams and different kinds of churches, all together praising the Lord. One language here, English there, another language here. It was awesome. Do anything to have you experience that. I think about when my wife and I were in Russia, and this is the former Soviet Union, which now is really way back in the day, which dates us. 
And so we were just beginning to minister to people there. There was no formal established churches other than the state church. And so we're meeting in homes in very, very small groups. And so we just worked hard to learn the language, to translate a few of our basic praise songs into Russian. Uh, to, and and so, so here we are with our guitars. Okay, don't judge me, but even I was banging on the guitar, which meant it was not good. We didn't have Casey back in that day, and uh, Lindsay wasn't around. And so, so again, it's, it's, it's English, and then here's our new disciples uh, from Russia, and they're singing in Russian language and dialect, praising the Lord Jesus Christ for saving them from their sin, for removing condemnation, singing words that hope for their own people and nation, uh, singing words for the Holy Spirit to fill them. Would you give your life for that? That's the most beautiful experience ever. I think about, I think about, this is really funny, my buddy John Cravioto and uh, Lloyd Cravioto, and we were in Haiti some time ago, and we're in a very, very, very remote Haitian village where there's only now a new gospel witness. We're way up in the mountains. And in order to enter the village, so the elders of the village came out and they sang us a song in order to enter the village to, to, to preach the gospel. You had to sing them a song. And so my stinking brother, John Cravioto, turns to me and goes, oh, Pastor Rick has got a song for you. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you selling me out like that. That's great. And, and these Haitians had beautiful voices, and they were like this gorgeous men's choir, and they were all dressed up in, in regalia, and then their women were behind them. And I mean, it's like they had practices their whole lives because it's what their culture did. And I kind of belted out amazing grace for the moment as best I could and just like let that be. Casey, where are you when I need you when I'm traveling around the world, you know? We go into Haiti. This had nothing to do with us personally, but we hear the testimony of what had happened just before where this tribe, this village in Haiti had gotten saved. I mean, it's about 5,000 people had gotten saved because the witch doctor got saved. Like legit. Like way legit, yeah. Like he gave his, Jesus removed his condemnation from the devil, his ancestral heritage, which was demonic. And Jesus broke that off of those people and they came to a saving knowledge is like a fire went through them. And you talk about let the nations be glad. These are people who lived in basically not even a tent like this. And then they got saved. They got the word of God. They began to become disciples. This is a true story. They started their own bank. They started their own schools. They began to start their own commerce. And we came back a few years later and they didn't need our help. They're going out to the rest of Haiti to evangelize the rest of Haiti so that the Haitian people can know the Lord Jesus Christ so that their nation can be glad in the Lord as well. True story. I, I want to do it for repetition. I promise I'm going to run for home. Verse 4. See, I, I'd probably, if I, I'm trying to control my emotion, I'd probably have us dancing and it'd be disorderly. I won't do that. I want to continue to stay in order. But let the nations be glad and sing for joy. 
So we're disciples who are free of condemnation. People who are full of condemnation when they get involved in politics, you know what they do? They, I'm on this camp and you're on that camp. And, and, and this huge division because, see, I have to win at your expense. People who are condemned to say, look, I'll show you a better way. I'll show you Jesus Christ's way. I'll show you miracles and transformation and grace and love that you didn't even know. One of the things I really enjoy about Harvest, Greg Laurie's ministry, or Billy Graham from back in the day, this is, you know, attend to Southern California since we're out here, Harvest Crusade. One of the things I really enjoy is that even at the Harvest Crusade, I, I, I can remember my very first one. And so here's, you know, the... Uh, Anaheim Stadium, and I, I was there on the ministry team, but I, for some reason they put Pastor Rick Soto amongst all the gangbangers and people with huge tattoos, and I think tattoos are great, but I have one, and these people were this really scary and big and all of that, and they're all praising the Lord because God has freed them from their sin and because God has liberated them from their past. And because God has broken off bondages and chains that related to their own family systems. And so now these big gangbangers are picking me up and hugging me and praising the Lord. And frankly, they're, they're, they're side by side with me. Making, I mean, if I feel socially uncomfortable, that takes a lot. <laughs> they're violating all my social spaces and they're just praising the Lord. And I just wept and wept and wept because heaven is like that. Don't think it's about the music. It's about God's presence, and it's about, it's about us being liberated. It's about what we talked about in Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation. I'm quite confident that this morning when you woke up, even to go to church, you felt the arrows of condemnation. You might have been cleansed as a believer, but there was junk thrown at you possibly, maybe from your own flesh, maybe from the devil, maybe from somebody else. There is therefore no condemnation. Nation. Why? Genesis 12, so that. So that Christ's blessing will work through you. So that God can show off, Psalm 67, his graciousness. So that Psalm 67, God can show off his saving power. So that Psalm 67, all peoples can praise him. How are all people going to learn to praise him if God doesn't get a group of people who are broken off and saved and free of sin and, and free of condemnation and beginning to work that out and mature? You are that vehicle. The rest of the psalm, let all the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase God, our God, shall bless us, shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Fourth, simply related, related by redundancy, as I would say here in my outline to, it is we are free of condemnation because it really makes God happy to bring his gladness to you. God did not go to the cross reluctantly. There's a book one, one time titled by a famous pastor and theologian, 
and I'm not knocking him, that's why I'm not going to give you his name, but it's called the murder of Jesus. Jesus was not murdered on the cross. Could have got off the cross anytime. He's hanging on the cross. People are mocking him. He could have gotten down and whooped them. He's doing so willingly. That's why John 3.16, families, he says he gave. He has the power. He can call legions. He himself can come down. It's not that he's not, it's not that he's weak in that sense. He's going to weaken himself for us. And he did that because it makes him glad that you would experience no condemnation through his cross. Lastly, and fifth, God is concerned about justice. I just grieve about social media and about TV and everything else and cable because when I use the word justice, there often is in church that division I spoke about. Oh, do you mean this kind of shock jockey or do you mean that kind of shock jockey or do you mean this? Oh, church, stop. You know what I mean is what the word of God means. That Jesus Christ is intimately concerned about the weakest person in society and you should be as well. That's what that means. Is it a gay or lesbian person? Then be concerned mercifully for how society treats that person. Is it homeless? Then be concerned mercifully of how somebody treats a homeless person. Is it a Hispanic person because, or whatever the color of your skin or whatever the case, then you be concerned about them. Because that a child and daughter of God made in their image. And their condemnation must be snapped off of them as well. Truth is truth and love is love and those things come together. He's concerned about that. It's why we're starting the ranch rescue mission. Why are we starting the ranch rescue mission? Because we're concerned about people about half a mile down the street who spend their nights on Thanksgiving underneath a bridge. That should bother you. Because there's people, and Pastor knows this, in our community that when we open up their fridge, they don't have that much food. A box of cereal for a family of five is not food. That should bother you. That should be of a concern to you. It is to us. And so we're going to do something about it. So we're going to start the Ranch Rescue Mission. Let's go back to Romans 8. Then I'm going to pray. Oh, church, what great words these are. What just beautiful words. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's laws. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. 
But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Thank you for listening to the Rick Soto Podcast. For more information about Pastor Rick Soto and the Ranch Church, go to ranchchurch.com.